Hello, this is Gerald Wines with uh, Johnson Seed Company, uh, another episode of Growing With Us. Um, today we're going to kind of go over um, a little bit about some small grains, fall small grains. Um, I'm not going to go into real depth on, on most of these. I think um, producers pretty much have a handle on some of them. Um, first, I'd like to talk about um, typically um, these small grains, other than wheat, are used for forage. And um, if we look at that, our early grazers or that do well in the fall for starting cattle out would be the rye. Uh, barley, wheat, and triticale. Then if we look going into spring uh, to a graze out scenario or something like that, our late grazers that do well are wheat and triticale. And then if we can always go back in and plant oats in uh, February to extend some grazing or into another field or something like that. So you see by those two, the two common denominators there are the wheat and the triticale. Um, what we'll do is kind of start off with wheats. Um, these will be available. Um, these two I'm going to talk about first, available here at Johnson Seed. And, and they're going to be soft red wheats. Um, the soft reds are different than our typical varieties that we raise for grain here, uh, the hard reds. Um, the soft reds um, are usually cheaper than the hard reds. Um, that, that's an advantage. Uh, another disadvantage though would be I cannot harvest this for grain and take it to a local elevator. They more than likely won't accept it. The two varieties that uh, we're gonna be carrying this year is Gore. Um, it was released by the University of Georgia. It's a beardless, um, it's a later maturing. Uh, we'll have another one called Forge Max and that's spelled M-A-X-X. Um, it's uh, seed produced in Missouri. It's also uh, beardless, you know, to be used for haying. These two are comparable. Uh, last year they were priced the same. Um, not going to pick one over the other as far as varietal differences. Um, as far as our hard red winters that we're going to carry this year, we really don't know where we're at on that uh, for this coming fall, what varieties, and, and I didn't want to go into a bunch of different varietal differences. Um, that information is abundantly out there on the web as far as uh, you know, choosing one for you for both grazing and for grain. We'll move next to triticale. Um, we're, at this time, we have four varieties available. The first one we have would be Fridge. Um, it does well in a pH uh, between 5 and 7. It's a great forage producer. Um, it does well in our region. Um, it's excellent resistance on leaf and stem rust. Um, it does rapid early growth, and once again that comes into play that I was talking about on getting something up and going uh, as quick as we can for the cattle in the fall. This, at one time when it was first released, was considered beardless, but this, this variety um, has been out long enough that it's reverting back. So you will get some beards on these plants. So that may be a consideration for you if you take the fridge to hay. The uh, next one would be Trical 348. Um, it is on, it's called, classified as onleted, um, meaning it has very, very short beards. It has great winter hardiness, but once again, um, if, if you don't want any beards at all, that's not your guy. 
The next two um, are both certified triticale, uh, the SY131 and the SYA13. The 813 is onleted, meaning very short beards, whereas the 131 is true beardless. Both these have the same disease packages. Um, you know, some will classify the 813, excuse me, the 131 has a little better forage yield. Um, I was looking at the data and it's just very small, but it, that would be a little bit of an advantage, the 131 over the 8, 8, 813. Next grain we're going to kind of go over is the beardless barley. Uh, at this time we have two varieties. Um, one is the P919. It was released in 2005. It is true beardless. Um, it does well in 6.5 to 7.5 pHs. Um, it's, a, it's either for grain or grazing, and I know of some producers that have harvested their own barley. The thing about barley here in Oklahoma, if you do take it to grain, and, and I've even seen it in some cover mixes, that it, it has a tendency to take on some diseases. So if you are taking it to grain, it's almost a must um, that you put a fungicide treatment on it. Um, it's, it's winter hardiness on the P91919 is not as good as the other variety that we have. Um, this P919 also will germinate in warmer soil. Why that would be important um, is if I look at I'm going to start planting my, my grazing acres around September here in Oklahoma for sure, we have some pretty warm soils. The next variety would be Valor. Uh, it is a true beardless variety, uh, about the same as the P919, uh, except um, it has a huge winter hardiness uh, package. Uh, there were a lot of trials with this variety in Michigan, Indiana, New York, Pennsylvania that showed it did, did very well. So you can imagine versus an Oklahoma winter, there's a huge difference there. Um, it has a better probably disease package on mildew and leaf rust than the P919. Um, you know, um, I did see one thing. I said earlier that it was beardless, but there was uh, some that showed very, very short ons, um, but it may not be with every plant. So um, just kind of keep that in mind. Next grain we'll go to is oats. Um, oats planted in the fall. Um, this is just to get some early forage there. Um, I, I've done it myself and have seen it and I was really presently, pleasantly surprised that the oats hung in there. I did lose some tissue up top but I, I didn't ho have total meltdown after a frost. Um, the two at this time we have is the black hull oats, uh, figure a pH 5 to 6. It's a Kentucky variety that was released in 2008. Um, it it's, uh, has cold tolerance. Um, I have seen it where, you know, in a grazing scenario, they seem to pick out the oats really well in these black holes. I can't tell you if it's the taste or what, but there, we noticed it, producers notice it. Um, we, we may have a limited amount of these, don't know how much we'll have to sell. The second variety would be Bob. Uh, it was released in 1977 from University of Arkansas Experiment Station. 
it has a better winter hardiness package probably than the black holes once again it's a it's a it's a good forage producer okay the next small grain would be Elbon rye um, Elbon rye is kind of interesting um, in the fact that you know you have some people that will say it, it's the best winter forage out there and then you have others that say there's a lot better options that it uh, there that are out there uh, it's very cold tolerant as a forage um, the, the probably the hit that it takes um, is that it doesn't last very long into the spring um, and that would be where you'd want to blend uh, a triticale in with it or even a wheat or something like that to, to get a little longer range into the spring. Um, for those of you who don't know, if you're planning on uh, taking your fields to true wheat grain harvest, you probably don't want to be messing with Elbon rye uh, or even introduce, introduce it to your farms. Where we're also seeing in the cover crop world is, is people using cereal rye um, to help on weed control. Um, I, I have a paper here from Dr. Bob Hartzler, um, Iowa State University, and I'm going to read you uh, just some highlights of it uh, in case you have not heard of this practice. Uh, some of it's being done here in north central Oklahoma. It's really big in Iowa, Nebraska. Uh, but. Uh, what they're doing is they're planting a rye crop uh, and then killing it and then they're planting corn and soybeans in it. There's a toxin or an alleliopath that is uh, put off by the rye to inhibit germination of some species of weeds. Um, I'll kind of read this. It kind of gives a good explanation of it in pretty simple terms. It says, many people attribute the inhibition in corn growth by rye to alleliopathy. And, and what he's meaning there is some, some people feel that their corn has been hurt by putting the rye, but that's not the case. Um, we know rye does produce chemicals that can inhibit plant growth. Under most situations, the rye biomass on the soil surface is responsible for suppression of weeds rather than the release of phytotoxic chemicals. The chemicals produced by rye probably have little influence on corn or soybeans. Research has shown that susceptibility to aleochemicals is indirectly related to seed size. The smaller the seed, the more susceptible the plant. What that basically means is when you plant corn and soybeans, you're planting them at anywhere from an inch, especially on corn, inch and a half. Uh, they're very large seeds, whereas your, your pigweeds and things like that are small seeded. And so the, the toxins from the rye residue um, uh, will will help in, inhibit the pigweeds to germinate small seed. There's been some that say that the, the rye will hurt the corn uh, as far as um, germination and he gave us three examples of why that's probably not the case but it could be something else. Um, you know with that much biomass up on top um, it, it can cause the corn when it's coming through the ground and then having to hit that biomass load, that that could delay some seed germination there or some seed growth, seedling growth there. Um, also, too, with that much biomass, you have a nitrogen tie-up. And then also, um, and, and this, they've done some tests on this, the rye biomass 
acts as a green bridge, meaning a bridge to disease in between the corn and the rye if the corn is susceptible to it. Um, the biggest thing to remember if you use this um, uh, practice is terminate your rye really early, maybe 10 to 14 days prior to planting corn. Um, the soybeans, uh, not so much. Um, they can handle a lot more residue than the corn can. Just something to think about. Next small grain that a lot of people probably haven't considered uh, that we've been using a lot in our cover crops and, and it's worked really well and that's sorghum sudan. And you, and you think okay that's a warm season it's going to freeze out and that is correct. Um, but what we see if we add two and a half pounds of sorghum sudan to a fall cover crop um, it grows pretty fast in the fall and then once it freezes it's actually um, dry matter out there for um, your grazers out there so that works really well this year um, we haven't set the mixes um, we're going to have the pre-mixes available again last year they were uh, one mix was trit 50 percent rye 25 percent and wheat 25 percent the next one was trit 60 percent and rye 40 percent. Those are examples of what we had last year. We have not determined uh, what mixes we will have this year but maybe something that will work for you that's already uh, blended up. One more thing um, before I sign off is um, I do have calls um, and it seems I'd say more from the eastern part of the state where uh, guys have Bermuda pastures or Bermuda meadows or something like that. You can't interseed some of these small grains into those pastures. Uh, a good mix for a Bermuda field would be oats, uh, barley, triticale, and turnip in a blend. And, and they seem to do really well. It kind of extends your um, Bermuda a little bit. It can scavenge any nitrogen that is left over from your fertilization of the Bermuda. So it works really well. Uh, but so that's just a suggestion to you. Sure do appreciate you listening. Have a good day.